Welcome to the Trap One Podcast. Joining me today to discuss the pilot by Stephen Moffat um, is a space lawyer uh, of such renown he could have got the master acquitted when the Daleks put him on trial, even though he laughed as his list of evil crimes was read against him. Please welcome my learned co-host, Dr. Chris Newman. Hey, how are you doing, Mark? Good, thank you. How are you? Yes, very good. Very good indeed. Um, Looking forward to talking about this with you. It's it's a great opener, um, really interesting and can't wait to watch it again with you. Yeah, absolutely. There's uh, there's a lot to talk about, and I think uh, it uh, it really benefits from repeated viewings as well. Um, there's sure. there's a lot of detail in there and a, and a lot of cool stuff. Uh, so just very quickly, um, when did you start watching Doctor Who? What what sort of episodes um, got you into it originally? Oh blimey! Now, see, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of an oldie. Um, I've, I've got memories of the horror of Fang Rock, so the sort of the season opener. The one that I remember really having nightmares about, though, is Robots of Death. I remember those those red eyes really making me terrified. Um, and so, yeah, so I go back to kind of Tom Baker, the, the Tom Baker era, and it's really interesting um, that sort of people who are watching Doctor Who for the first time are going to be picking up the tail end of the Capaldi era, just as I sort of really started watching it, picking up the tail end of the Tom Baker era. And that sort of contrast, um, is, is, it's always wonderful. It's what, what what makes this show so fabulous, I think. Absolutely. And it's it's exciting, I think, for anyone picking it up, that there's so many stories then to discover as well. It's, uh, it's like finding a new author who's, you know, already had a long career and you've got, you've got a big back catalogue to... Uh, uh, to enjoy. Absolutely. I started at the actual tail end of the classic series myself. I started with the Happiness Patrol, so I had very little time um, before the show was cancelled. So I had the Target novelizations and the UK Gold repeats and VHS videos and things like that that, um, that kind of got me into it. So the, the wilderness years are really my era. Weirdly, it's funny you know. mention that the target novelizations because although I say I can remember the classic era, my real vibrant memory of, of early years Doctor Who came through the, the target novels. I remember when they started doing repeats on, on UK Golden, watching them again, obviously, you know, voraciously, and there were bits missing, and I was thinking, where's this? And what I didn't realise was that actually Uncle Terry had been filling bits of the plots in yeah. in the books. And so I was I was taking, I was, you know, I, my, my memories of Doctor Who really very very literary as well as um you know as well as the visual yeah it's, it's weird I, I saw um uh Terrence Dix at a convention a few years ago and just sitting in the audience really really struck me this is the author whose work I've read more than anybody else's um, <laughs> just the sheer volume of his output um he, he must logically be the author whose, whose books I've read the most of in my life I was uh, very lucky to share a glass of wine with him and Barry Letts who must be nearly 20 years ago now and I I said to him I said look you know thank you very much for teaching me to read and he said you'd be amazed the amount of people who said that to me yeah it's it's, it's one of those things and this was before the you know the 2005 reboot it he was like you know this is really I've I've, I've had so many people come up to me and say exactly that so what a legacy he's left and uh, it's always a bit of a regret man that he never got to write for the new series I would have loved to have seen just one Terrence Dix episode in there it would it would have been really nice wouldn't it I think I did I think I saw an interview where he said that he'd spoken to I guess it must be Russell T Davis uh, and said, "Don't be tempted to ask me." Basically, 
Yeah, um, yeah. Well, of, uh, I can I can understand why, and I think we got a nice little homage in the fiftieth with um, you know the never cruel nor cowardly because that was very much what Terence Dix had always said about about Doctor Who. Yeah, that he should, you know, never cruel nor cowardly, and then, and and I wonder if that was an intentional homage. I'm sure it must have been. Did did they say wheezing groaning sound in in Day of the Doctor as well? They may well have done. Yeah, there was a number of little yeah. sort of nods there. Um, which made it all the you know all the more enjoyable. Yeah, absolutely. I love the I love the fiftieth. Uh, yeah, an absolute highlight. Okay, so w- without further ado, shall we um, press on with I'm the pilot? Press, I'm ready to press play. Okay, so if you're watching along at home, uh, we're going to press play in three, two, one, and. There we go. And, we're, and what a beautiful set to open up with. Absolutely gorgeous. Let me assure you, all academics do not have an office like that. <laughs> my, my office is my office is considerably smaller. Um, but what a lovely, you know, beautiful, beautiful detail, beautiful detailing. Um, little homage to Sharda, perhaps, with the TARDIS in the corner. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's um, and it looks so at home in that in that setting as well. I think. It really does. Um, I always really think that about Sharda. When you see the pictures, you see all the books and everything. It looks perfect there, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I think this um, this this iteration of, of, of Capaldi as, as as the you know the wacky professor, I think is is very much where he should have started. This yeah. is, this this to me is how it should have been. And there we see a lovely little lovely little touch, a lovely little nod to the war machines there. Um, with the out of order sign, it's a similar type of font as well used in the war machines. Yeah, very um, nice. And and so yeah, so we we have we have Capaldi's doctor. I think has been a little user unfriendly to to borrow some nineteen eighties computer speak. And I think this is a much more welcome return to a to to a doctor that I'm familiar with. You know. Yeah, I have. I've, I've loved them in series eight and nine. They've been my favourite series since the since the reboot. But there is, yeah, there is something about his performance in this one that feels like he's 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 perfected it, uh, made it his own, and and kind of hit his stride. Um, it just makes it all the more um, kind of lamentable that this this is going to be his final series. Well, funnily enough, my favourite, um, my favourite new series Doctor was, was was Eccleston, and I think because it was one series, it had that lovely special compact feel about it, and I think that's what we're going to see here. Again, we, we've almost got a, a one series Doctor now, and a one series companion. Yeah, and I think we, we're we're into that type of territory because I will say, what an absolute gem of an actor we've got in Pearl Mackey. She is brilliant, and you know, without wishing to preempt. The, 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 what we're about to see, she's she's fabulous in this. She makes such a lovely, wonderful impression. I found this this um, this joke, this little starting vignette of hers, a little a little off putting, um, sort of like the fat reference. It, it felt a little cloy, a little uncomfortable. Maybe maybe it was a deliberate ploy to have yeah. her, you know, come across as awkward and clumsy in the Doctor's presence. Maybe it was a you know a, a little an anecdote that was deliberately wrong, um, but it, it didn't quite work for me. No, it's yeah, it is. It's slightly odd. The, it it doesn't feel malicious in a way. It's not that she's, um, and I think because you see the girl later on, and she does give her a little wink and things. It's yeah, yeah. There's, it, it, it does. It just it just feels it just jars with the rest of Bill's really warm performance. She she is excellent. It it really reminded me a little bit of um, uh, of Kerry Mulligan as Sally Sparrow in just a, a really easy, effortless, natural performance. 
Absolutely. Um, who, endearing. Yeah, really and endearing, who can... Just what you need to bring people who perhaps haven't seen the show before. And I guess the thing is as well, you know, I, I sort of forget. It's, it's been, what, two years since we've had proper Doctor Who on telly. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? It's, uh, isn't that a wonderful picture of, of, um, of Susan as well? It's I nice. I love that nod yeah from from the pilot episode as well i believe uh so a, a nice nod a, a number of nice nods in this one um i will say as well i will say as well mark apologies I, uh, there'll be moments of silence as i get yeah. sucked into watching it and you know, I, I i apologize because I, I find that it draws me in it's a really sort of really interesting episode it is um and yeah the the, the interplay between the two of them is is, is so good yeah so so good, but yeah, I think the, like the Sally Sparrow thing. You know, she had to hold the episode herself basically, uh, and it seems like Pearl Mackey more than capable of that. She she holds your attention if they yeah. if they have to do a Doctor Light episode this this series or anything. Um, you know, it's not not going to be a problem for her. She's handling no problem at all. Yeah. This, um, you know, mentioning the Eccleston series earlier on, this actually does remind me very heavily of Rose. It, it has a, it has a, a couple of nods that we'll see in a few minutes. Though. There's, there's, the, you know, her working, waking up to her alarm clock, the mundanity of her existence, and it does remind me very heavily of Rose of that first episode. Because, you know, I, I have to say, I, I don't think the threat is particularly malevolent in this you know we, no. we get a little flavor of threat but i don't think that's the main aim of the episode is it i think the main aim of the episode is to introduce bill to introduce the doctor on his mission to introduce the doctor on on, on what he's doing this series yeah and then to introduce the doctor to a new audience i guess because there's going to be kids who have become the right age to get into it in the two years when it hasn't been on the the screen Absolutely. Um, that this will be there. Also, can't resist the a Doctor Who, Doctor What, you know, can he? he really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're into these lovely title sequences. I have to say, these title sequences are absolutely gorgeous. I'm not a massive yeah. fan of the of, of the title music. I like, you know, I'm I'm a child of the, you know, the, of the Tom Baker disco music era. So yeah. everything's a sort of a bit of a letdown after that. But I really think these title sequence, this 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 title sequence, is absolutely gorgeous to look to look at. Yeah, it's a, the, the, how must it make you feel to see your name come up there? You know, absolutely be yeah. fantastic for a long term fan like like Matt Lucas and, and Peter Capaldi particularly. It must be a, a dream come true. It's been yeah. amazing. So here we have the Rose sort of reference that I was talking to. The little um, vignettes from a life. Yeah, that's yeah. Uh, Really does fit in fit in quite nicely. Um, a special sort of word to Lawrence Goff, the director, as well. I think he, I think we get a very a, a beautiful looking episode. I think there's yeah. a number of different points where it really does look sumptuous and very well shot. The the bit where the, the I think the writing is excellent uh, on this lecture. The, uh, the you know the, the the way he talks about you know pictures being you know movies made up of of dozens of pictures as life is. And obviously we're watching that by watching TV. And then when it, it pans out, so you can sort of yes. see almost like cells on a film, visually and the writing really, really working together there. Um, and some clever stuff done with the trailer, I think. The, the, the line from the uh, lecture taken out of context when the doctor says, imagine all the moments of your life or imagine it, all moments of time happening at the same time, something like along those lines. Yeah. Which watching the trailer, you think, oh, that's a storyline. That's that's something that's going to happen. I suppose a bit like the the wedding of River Song, where all of time was happening at once. Um, and when Heather says exterminate, it makes you think she's going to be a Dalek agent with a an eye stalk sprouting out of her forehead. Some a lot yes. of misdirection in that trailer. You, you wouldn't think gleam anything about this episode, really. 
um, from that. But it really, really whetted the appetite, and uh, you know, kind of made you excited for this series. And this Absolutely. is lovely imagery as well. I think the the city that's made up of the moments of your life is uh, it's something impossible to show, but but a nice uh, a nice vivid description. It's interesting to see Capaldi, or, or, or to see the Doctor lecturing to a to a room full of rapt students as a lecturer myself. I, I, I sort of slightly um, facetiously put on Twitter that you know what they don't show you is one of the students putting their hands up and saying, "So how does this affect our assessment?" Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, we have a very natural sort of um, sort of evening, you know, evening out where where the yeah. two people connect and. You can already see that there's chemistry between them. Very effortless, um, not forced, and yeah. I think I think this is where Pearl really comes comes forward as as, as the centerpiece of the story, yeah. if you like. I feel like the chips as well makes you think of Rose, the, the character, not yes. the episode. In yeah. the sense touch of, of the school reunion. School reunion yeah. This bit here, I love. I love a character with a funny walk or run. Um, it just kind of uh, amuses me. Um, and uh, Nardole here, just a look on his face and the funny little walk. Like, um, I like to see it's called Suits, uh, legal drama. There's a character in there called Lewis Litt, uh, especially when he's angry, he's got this weirdest little walk and, and kind of set to his face. Uh, always cracks me up. Uh, Nardole does great stuff here. We've got a very interesting TARDIS team here as well, haven't we? We've got, you know, the Doctor clearly the leader of the team, um, you know, with, with Nardole almost as his butler. And I think the setup we've got, and it struck me a few times, the setup we've got here is almost the, the Eliza Doolittle, um, you know, Henry Higgins Eliza Doolittle relationship of yeah. I will take you on and I will tutor you. Um, and then, you know, Nardole, he said this, so you're tutoring her. And, and, and Nardole as the, as, as the Batman. Yeah. And, the butler. yeah, and I think this is going to work really, really well. It's a really interesting dynamic that we haven't seen in, no. you know, in, in in modern Who. We haven't seen anything like this. We've seen, uh, you know, we've seen people in the TARDIS. We've seen Arthur Darville and, and Karen Gillan make up a, you know, three in the TARDIS. But that was a very different sort of dynamic. So I'm really interested to see where Stephen Moffat takes this. Absolutely, and to see how the other writers treat treat these characters as well. Um, it, it'll be interesting. This made me think a little bit. Um, I haven't seen the, the picture of Susan on his desk. It, it, this is almost an inversion of an unearthly child, where you have the, the teachers following the unusual pupil. Here you've got yes. the, the pupil following the unusual teacher uh, to, to, to see what's going on, um, and presumably setting up what will be a, a series arc here about the vault. And I think, I mean, I've seen, it, it's very difficult um, when, you know, when we're doing this type of, of, of rewatch um, to sort of pretend that we're watching it afresh and watching yeah. it, you know, watching it new. We know, we've seen this before. And I think what, what the benefit of this is we're getting the, the little nuances, the little details that we'd missed, you know, that maybe I'd missed the first time around. And we're able to sort of add and comment and, and, and develop that. And I think that shows what the strength of the episode, that it benefits from, from a rewatch. It benefits from, you know, from multiple viewings. You, you pick up the little, the little breadcrumbs, if you like, left. Absolutely, um, yeah. It's packed with detail. It's, it's really, it really yeah. is. It really is. And I, I, my only hope is that Stephen Moffat actually delivers on this, you know, because we've got a number of really interesting little breadcrumbs that he's, he's sprinkled around. And one of the things that I've objected to, to, to bits of series eight and nine is they've gone unfulfilled. The promise has gone unfulfilled. And I really hope that we get the delivery of that. 
Um, a special word here as well for, for Stephanie Hyam, the actor who, play, who plays Heather. I think she has a lovely unworldly quality, real ambiguity in her performance. You know, is she a baddie? Is she a dark agent? Is she an agent of the puddle? We, we don't know any of this. Yeah. And I think she gives a lovely, you know, internalised performance. That's um, it, That yeah. really sort of helps, helps the ambiguity, helps build the tension. Um, and, you know, um, I, I hesitate to use the, the, the word because I know it has a very specific meaning. But here we have one of Moffat's absolute, you know, almost flagship tropes. We have the, the everyday object that becomes sinister. In this case, it's a puddle. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, a sentient puddle. I think it's, I think it's a great idea um, turning water into the enemy. Yeah, uh, I think I think he does it really. He does it really well. It's, um, it's the the, the Yeti on the loo in, in tooting back thing, isn't it? The uh, absolutely. The it reminded me a little bit of uh, again Rose, where Russell T Davis intended uh, that you know kids getting up for school the next day, if it was bin day, they'd see yes. you know a line of wheelie bins along a road, and having seen you know on Saturday one of them devour Noel Clark. Uh, you know, they'd be sort of edging away from them a little bit. And uh, certainly in, in Carlisle today, it's poured down all day, so there won't be any shortage of puddles, um, you know, for any kids that are out to uh, to to eye warily, uh, you know, thinking they're going to be uh, kind of sucked into it. We do. And it's, um, again, the, 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 clear, the clear idea that this is menace, this is danger, um, I, I, I sadly think that's perhaps missing a little bit from from this story as a whole. You know, the the the, the whole sort of threat and danger is is very secondary here. And but at last we get moving on the story. We've had a yeah. lot of exposition. We've had a lot of discussion. Now, not wasted by any means. It's not wasted. But we have had a lot of discussion and a lot of sort of, um, you know, I'm the doctor, well, I'm Bill, this is my life, this is your life. And I think we, we you know, we needed to get into the story and I'm glad that we got there and we can see where this is going to go. We now have a menacing puddle. We've got a slightly unworldly companion. We've got a, you know, a, a person who is clearly underplaying their potential. We've got the doctor doing something mysterious. And then we have this little interplay. I love them, them, them sitting there with the hats on. You know, I, I want the story of the, how they got to put hats yeah. on. <laughs> yeah, they, they've pulled some crackers in there. And then, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's really cool. Um, and then we have this, then we have this, I haven't got you a present. Well, I've got you a rug, don't worry about it. That's a she, Again, you can see that you can see that Pearl is really sort of easy company. And yeah. she's easy company for us as well. I think that's so important with a companion. We've got to be easy with her. You know, we've got to be able to enjoy her. We've got to be able to appreciate the relationship. I think sometimes they've gone too far on the combative element of the companion. You know, the feisty companion. Well, that's great, and I get that. But sometimes that's a bit hard work, isn't it? You know, yeah. we remember the Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant, the first few series they had. It was torture watching them shout at each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think what we've got here is a real nice relationship that's, that's, that's straight away from the off. Yeah. And this, I gotta say, you you have to have a heart of stone not to not to have this little, you know, the the doctor didn't get her a present for for for, for, for Christmas, and is this the doctor's gift back to her? Yeah, I think it's absolutely fabulous, and you know, really well played by 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 the actor here. Yeah, really really nice uh, subtle scene as well. Um, he set up really nicely in the scene before the doctor looking at his own photographs of uh, Susan and River. Um, and, and presumably thinking about the family that he's lost as well, that he doesn't have any 
photos of uh, Susan's parents, you know, any any of the rest of his family, um, and realizing how much it'll mean to her. And just a little nod yeah. there that clearly, who is that taking the photograph? Barry yeah. looks familiar. And I think that's beautifully done. I think that's really nice. You show him, you saw him looking at the photographs, reflecting on his own memories, reflecting on what they mean to him. Yeah. It's, and it, then it's nice. This is, it is, to me, it's, it's clearly a very different doctor. This isn't the uncaring doctor who needs prompt cards when somebody's died. No. This is a very, very different doctor that we've got here. And I think... Yeah. Honestly, this is how I this is how I wanted Capaldi to be from the start, yeah. um, and and I think you know I think we can all come together on this as, as it were. I think we've all we're all now at a place where you know whether you're a fan or whether you, whether you haven't been a fan of the last few seasons, I think we're now at a place where we can start enjoying it. Yeah, it seems like he's had that trajectory that, uh, by all accounts, Colin Baker wanted to have of starting off very yes. spiky and unapproachable and gradually mellowing. Uh, they didn't get the chance to do. What I thought was interesting here is the the. Uh, the last time these two visited the the puddle, it was a very cold, metallic sort of blue filter. Uh, it's very warm and sunny on this one as their their relationship develops. Or uh, absolutely, and you can a... see you can see Stephanie Hyams' mm. performance becoming more open, yeah. becoming more welcoming. You know, becoming more suggestive, and then disappearing. I think this. I think again. Mm. I think that's a wonderfully, um, a wonderfully evocative shot. Of the hope that you saw in in her face, yeah, and then she, you know, the the disappointment, and, and then, then we have that the the terror of the everyday object. Yeah, I really really nice, you know, juxtaposition of reactions there. Yeah, um, and then what I I kind of clocked. I think the second time I watched it here is that she's wearing the outfit that we see that we saw in the uh, introductory clip. That was on in the, the halftime of the football match a few months ago that uh, announced her casting. Um, so you kind of think we're, we're leading up to uh, to her first TARDIS trip now. Mm-hmm. And here we are. We, the Doctor has his mystery. The Doctor has his hook yeah. to get into the story now. Yeah. Uh, and again, I, you know, I, I don't want to sort of sound like I'm negative because, I, I'm, I'm, as you can tell, I'm, I'm enjoying the story. But we're 17 minutes and now we're getting to the meat and, meat and drink of the story. Yeah. Now we've got the Doctor's attention. Now Bill has found something interesting. The Doctor's behaving, of course, as the Guardian. Yeah. He's, he's, his concern isn't particularly with anything else other than the vault. That's it. Um, although, we, you know, we, 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 we're only just getting the hint of that now. Yeah. But a lovely scene where she sees him running past the window, um, and uh, yes. and then and great that the the twelfth Doctor theme as well as as he runs out, a really great piece of music, really gets the hairs on the back of the neck going. I think I love it. It uh, does. Um, and what I think, what I do think, though, I think the music here, the music in this episode again is a little bit of a misstep. What we have is we have great crescendos and you know the great musical crescendos. To, to moments that don't really deserve them, you know, it's yeah. it's like I wouldn't I would I wouldn't insult Murray Gold because I think he's done a fantastic job and his music is is really really special, but in this episode it, it has a sort of a stock feel of right we need some rousing music now and uh, you know it, it doesn't occasionally it just jars a little bit with what we're actually seeing on the on the screen, um, but you know what we've got again yeah. going on now we've got bill really working it through and actually almost breaking through the not not breaking the fourth wall but breaking through the perceptions of you know you never really get acknowledgement within science fiction that there is science fiction yeah that that is a really nice touch 
Um, and you've got her saying, well, you know, it might be lizard brain and whatever, whatever she's saying. What you get is you get a recognition. Actually, you know, she's like us. She's one of us. That'd be the first thing I'd think of, you know. Yeah. I met a strange person with strange people. I'd be thinking, oh my goodness, I'm in the middle of a, a science fiction story. This is brilliant. I am way behind on my Netflix shows. Is is that a show or is that a just a uh, kind of a gag there? I don't. Uh, I think it's just a gag. I yeah. don't think there's, there's not a show. Uh, we, we should make one. Yeah. <laughs> if it is, we'll put our copyright on it right now, okay? Absolutely. <laughs> this, this kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, the, you know, the reflection being seeing your face the right way around you know the film looper where you've got bruce willis and um he's one of the actors whose names i can never recall very easily um plays the younger version of him um and it was a nice touch on that when they meet he says your face is the wrong way around because he'd only ever seen his face in the mirror um i like little details like that that kind of make that that sort of thing real um and uh, yeah that's sort of because it's not something you'd immediately pick up on as they don't hear um, but just uh, yeah, just a nice sort of thing that throws them off. We have we have within this episode a sort of a very sort of almost a, a discussion of, of personal identity um, with you know Bill being very comfortable in who she is, but obviously having you know if she's got a she's got a foster mom, a mom died when she was young, so you've got you've got that ticking along in the background she's obviously massively underachieving in her career she's serving chips and yet she's getting 97 percent in quantum physics yeah. you know so you've got you've got notions of the self then you've got the reflections where you see your own face and i think i think this is a very interesting discussion of, of the notion of the self um i have to say here we are you know doctor who 101 this scary the scary flat the scary yeah. the scary room you know that's it uh, Domestic this is your first um, proper jump moment, isn't it? That's it. Yeah, domestic setting that's going to be familiar to, to any kid watching it. Um, and uh, yeah, you know, you're going to hear a shower going, a bath running. Uh, it's going to give you a little uh, a little shiver there. Um, and yeah, the Doctor doesn't often go for for those kind of jump scares, but there's a couple in this one. I think it works really well. It, it keeps your attention, keeps you uneasy almost about about what's going on. Just I did too, and I've got to say, one of the things that I always used to find was the sort of the cliche of watching from behind the sofa. I say I never watched from behind the sofa. I was always there when the doctor was, you know, yeah, in in, in peril. I was like, come on, what's he going to do? What's yeah. he going to do? But this made me jump. Yeah, there's the only couple couple of um, examples that I can think of previously are um, the girl in the fireplace. There's the bit where the the clockwork droid's hand. Yes. grabs them from under the bed and a similar thing in the crimson horror when the doctor oh, yes, is uh, right, yeah. the, the red doctor uh, kind of again I think it's a hand grabbing isn't it um, mm. yes, just to I jump back right. to the, the scene before the scorch marks uh, around the puddle very reminiscent of remembrance of the Daleks yeah. um, which in tandem with the kind of reminders of an unearthly child makes you think of a uh, you know, like the hand of Omega in the remembrance of the Daleks, maybe the vault holds some ancient Time Lord weapon that uh, the other aliens would want to get their hands I on. Or... I think it's really interesting you said that because I, I all of my favourite Doctor Who's have some sort of subtle back references to other Doctor Who's in them. I mean, Remembrance was full of back references. It was. Yeah. Um, this is this is equal, you know, the the jar of sonic screwdrivers, the the picture of Susan, you know, we we've never seen these explicit callbacks for for quite some time. I guess the fiftieth where we had the unit wall of of, of photographs yeah. was equally, um, equally, and I, I, I love that as well. It was a sort of the fiftieth was 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 
if you like Doctor Who comfort food. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but this is a really interesting, a really interesting use of of, of the shock. Yeah. To, to to sort of you know really say this is what we're at with 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 this series of Doctor Who. Um, and I think it's a very natural, very human reaction from 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 Bill. You know, this is something we'd. Um, this is something I'd. Do. And here we go with it with the yeah. eyeball, the, the, the proper jump moment. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely great. As I say, I think Lawrence Goff does a tremendous job on this episode. We yeah. get a really, you know, we get we get some real visual treats on this. Absolutely. And we get yeah. a, a little riff on the Doctor Who running through the corridors, um, you know, cliche. We get we get a number of we've we've already had a, a number of, of, of running rounds. Um, and I think this, I think again, it's, it's not frightened to acknowledge it's past in that respect. No, it's, this and is another lovely, creepy scene. Um, really even the sort um, of the, the mist, the, the, the dry ice surrounding is very like a, a horror Very waters form. of Mars, isn't it? The, yeah. The, the sort of the, the, the way that the water is used to enhance the, the, un, the unhuman feeling. That's uh, and other than the CGI when she sort of, uh, uh, melts and then and then reforms. It, it's so simple, isn't it? It's not a lot of um, uh, makeup and and prosthetics and things. It's it's lighting and water and performance, really making a, a really effectively creepy moment. And I think it, it, we, we again we're not sure what's going on here, and I think that ambiguity actually really holds our attention. We want to know what's going on with Heather. We want to know, you know, is this her natural state? Is this how she was? Is this, you know, is she dead? Is she a manifestation of the of the of, of the, the puddle? How is this all working? I think yeah. this is really nicely seeded for us. And whereas in some things as well you'd be you'd be kind of willing Bill to run away. You can totally understand because Heather has been a a, a sort of a, a quite I don't know, ethereal, you know, she's she's always been a bit strange and distant. That she's not necessarily she's clearly entranced, Bill, hasn't she? She's yeah. clearly had an effect on her. And then there's another jump sort of moment as well as she uh, as she lurches forward like that. That's it. So we're now into the, you know, we're now into the there is a there is a problem phase that the doctor can start solving and the doctor can start being doctory about. Yeah. And um, he's meant he's he's kind of wearing a more doctory outfit. It's, it's very much so. Building back back up again, like he's he's been here for fifty years. Reminds me a little bit of of the snowman as well. He's been you know he's he's been in a sort of a uh, a self imposed exile for a little while. He stopped wearing the bow tie, um, and then as, as Clara comes in, he takes on more of the doctor's traits and elements again. Uh, this this feels like I, I much prefer him wearing this type of outfit than the hoodies and the. Uh, uh, I agree. I think it suits him very well. It does, yeah. And then we get the Tardis reveal again. This I think this has got to be the most beautiful Tardis reveal for well, yeah. for for age since since the since the unearthly child. Yeah, they're beautifully lit. The way that it comes, the way that it brings mm. in, you get that sense of wonder. You get that sense of all that you would feel if you walked into the Tardis. Yeah, this is an absolute sumptuous shot. I think Lawrence Goff does a real job here. That's it. And the darkness behind though, she she wouldn't at that point think of anything else. Um, so yeah, works really, Very really special. Well. I think that's really nice. Yeah. Um, and at first, on first watching, I had a bit of a downer on her reaction. 
because for once I would just like to have seen a sort of a, oh my God, it's incredible. But actually, I think that look she gives there is the payoff, isn't it? Yeah. That look, he, that look she gives there is clearly, wow. Yeah. What's going on here? Um, and I think she does. I think she does that. I think she does that really well. And then we get the sort of the human funny. Um, you know, I'll, I'll deal with this by way of you know humour. Yeah, um, and and then a nice example of the way that she she looks at things differently to um, other other companions, other people who's met. It's uh, it's you know she's saying, well, it must be a knock through when it moves. Like it must be a lift because they would be things that would be uh, familiar. And I think one of the things that, and it was slightly, it's, again, it's been sort of a, a little thing that's niggled me the last few, um, the last few series, is the way that the doctors started speaking in quotes, in trailer quotes. You know, he, 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 he's doing it now. This is the yeah. game to everything that ever can be. Well, people don't really talk like that. And I think that what we're seeing is is a much more naturalistic style of speaking. Yeah. A much more, you know, a much easier to and fro between the doctor and Bill that we, we haven't, you know, we haven't seen previously. We've had him, you know, giving these big, long speeches. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm the doctor, I'm 900 years old, and I'm going to say, well, people don't really talk like that. You don't have time to talk like that. No, I think that started in the uh, the Voyage of the Damned, um, where you had David Tennant saying, that I'm 900 years old, I'm going to save everybody on this, this spaceship. It yeah, reminds it, me of a thing at work, which they call the elevator speech, which is, um, yes. where you've got uh, however long, 30 seconds to explain to somebody what your job is or what project you're proposing or something like that. Um, yeah. And, but, yeah, tailor-made for the trailers, but, but weird. It just natural. jars a little yeah. bit because I, I remember watching things, well, people don't really speak like this, yeah. you know? No, and here no. we are in the vault, the mysterious vault, and which... which I, you know, I take it we're meant to believe he's going to hold the key to the series. Yeah. This um, is what this is what it's going to be all about. The Doctor's guarding the vault. Well, what's in that vault? Who is in that vault? Are we led to believe, you know, is there, I, I remember um, reading in the sort of the publicity material that Stephen Moffat said he loves Logopolis. Mm. Are we going to see, you know, are we going to see the Watcher in there? Are we going to see he's the Master in there? We know we've got John Sim coming back. Yeah. And I have to say, I wish I didn't know we had John Sim coming back. I wish I could have watched that, pre, Absolutely. You know, that, 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 that coming soon trailer yeah. without knowing that. But anyway, you know. Even if he just turned a, up in an episode, it would have been uh, yeah. just an amazing moment. It really, really yeah. would. But, you know, we, we've got, we're in, the, yeah. we're in the crypt with a vault. That's a really big door. But having a look at it, does that, that looks a little Gallifreyan to me. It does. It's got the, uh, the, the Gallifreyan lettering and, and script. On there, so we've got these these circles of time. We've got, you know, the 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 mysterious the mysterious door which the doctors sworn to protect. And Mm. I think we, you know, I think hopefully we will get payoff for these breadcrumbs. Hopefully, we as fans will be able to, you know, think of of ideas and of you know solutions, and the payoff will be as good. And they won't just be left because, as I say, I've seen in previous series there've been these ideas that've been left, and I've been thinking, well, what's that all about? What's that all about? And he's never gone back to it. Yeah. So I'm hoping we're going to get a bit more payoff than we do. Absolutely. Um, already though, already though, I'm on side with the, with the team we've got here. Uh, yeah. As I say, we've got the you know the the Butler, we've got the the Eliza Doolittle, we've got the Henry Higgins, and 
I still think we can, you know, we can have the doctor learning from, from, from Bill in the way that yeah. Henry Higgins learned from Eliza. Absolutely. You know, I don't think there has to necessarily be an exclusive one way, you know, traffic for that information. I think that's the whole point of Pygmalion. Yeah. Uh, and, and so hopefully if that's the direction he's going, then it'd be very interesting to see how that relationship develops. Just to, I noticed to the right of the staircase there on that scene, there's a, there's a sign, it looks like it says Marie Celeste, but I can't quite make it all out. I'm just wondering if this is, uh, if this is kind of junk from the TARDIS down here that he's cleared out, or if it's, some of it's very futuristic looking, isn't it? But it's not, yeah, it's not very doing, interesting it's not to do a sort of a freeze frame analysis of it. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's part of the vault, but it's, it, it's stuff that he's got down there. And again, that little exchange there. What about my friend Heather? Can we save her? The doctor says, well, first let's see if we can survive her. I suspect season eight doctor would have been completely baffled by the request to save her. Oh, what yeah. do you want to save her for? You know, this is a very much more sort of house trained, very, very much more sanitized doctor. Yeah. Even I think the ninth doctor in Rose, he, uh, when, um, the, uh, when there's the, the Mickey's head, the, the, um, the uh, Auton head yeah. is on the, the console and starts to melt. Uh, and Rose says, well, does that mean he's still alive? And there's no real reaction from the doctor in terms of caring whether he's still alive is there it's um yeah this is a this is a, a friendlier more uh, it is this is a doctor, doctor that's yeah. having fun um this is a this is a, this whole story is is a doctor yeah. that's having fun is a companion that's having fun yeah. you know yeah we've got a serious mission underneath we've got protect you know he's the protector the guardian of the vault but actually this is a lot more fun it's a lot more relaxed performance from peter capaldi yeah it's a you know Aided by, as I say, we've got we've got a great companion here in, in Pearl Mackie. I think she's absolutely yeah. fabulous. I think she's such an effortless actress. I really do. I think she's she's really good in this. She's going to have a great career after this, anyway. It's uh, it, she's uh, she's definitely a find, isn't she? For, uh, Very interesting the language that they're talking about here. That um, I know, I say I, I don't know how spoilery I can be, but interesting that they've never mentioned that they're on Earth. No. You know? They, they, I wonder if that's an angle that they're going to go. We know we got, we know we've got Mondasi and Cybermen. Yeah. Is this, you know, is this an angle? Um, yeah, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? Yeah. I think we've got, you know, I think there's there's possibilities emerging there. Um, there's, how is the master going to come into it? How is Missy going to come into it? That's going to be really interesting. Um, so I think we've got all these, you know, and, and they're not shying away from the fact that this is a doctor end, ending his, you know, his current incarnation. Yeah. Very much so. Yeah, I don't think, uh, I mean, I've, I've tried to um, stay away from spoilers as much as possible. I don't think we know which episode Missy comes back. I might be wrong about that. Um, oh, now, I have it in my head. I have it in my head that it's the seventh, but I might be wrong. Um, I, that I, I've, I've, got, one, I've got Doctor Who magazine in there somewhere. Yeah, uh, and I'm 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 not sure whereabouts it is. It's um, yeah, because that wouldn't be a Moffat one. He's doing episode six, isn't he? And then yeah. seven is Jamie Matheson or. Um, I'd be very interested to see how he handles Missy because yeah. he wrote um, he wrote two of my favorite. Am I right in saying he wrote um, Flatline? Yes. Yeah, that's a, that's a terrific one. Yeah, I love I love that. I love Flatline. And didn't he write the um, Mummy on the Orient Express? That's right. It was the, the two episodes. 
that were, they were back both, to back. They were my absolute favourites yeah. from season eight. I loved them. I mean, listen was 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 epic. Yeah. I really loved. I really loved mummies. Mummies, I thought had a, had an old school feel to it that actually wouldn't have been out of place in, uh, alongside this episode. Yeah, yeah. There's some similarities there, aren't they? With the, I had a uh, lot of fun behind it. Yeah, with with the sort of um, you know the 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 alien is or the the menace is somebody who's on a mission um, yeah. that just never been never been stopped, sort of thing. Yeah, hardly anything is evil, as the doctor says. Yeah, you know, looks very much like evil. I, I think that's. I think that's mm. right. I think that it's really interesting um, because, as I say, I'm sitting here, you know, a middle-aged, middle-class man talking about a show that I don't really think should be designed for me. You know, I, if if I enjoy it, then that's great. That's a real advantage. Yeah. No, but I absolutely this agree. Show, this show yeah. should be for the for the for the you know for the twelve thirteen year old that I was. Sitting in a bedroom, trying to you know, feeling alone, feeling that like they don't understand themselves. Maybe they don't understand their sexuality. Maybe they don't understand their place in the world. Maybe they've got an experience like Bill. And I think that's who the show is always primarily aimed at. It's aimed at that lost person who needs to find themselves. And you know, I found myself through through the medium of Doctor Who, and that's that's who it should be for. So I always feel a bit a bit strange sitting in judgment on on a show like this. I enjoy yeah. it, but you know that I'm not the primary audience here. No, or at least I shouldn't be. And and, and every episode you know. will be somebody's favourite. It'll be somebody's first episode. Um, the I mean I, I love the Happiness Patrol because it's the first one I saw, and I'll still go back to it. But it's not considered, um, you know, a great episode by the majority of fans. Um, but it's just the, the particular time in your life that you watch something or. It's it's just something about it that resonates with you, I think. Absolutely. This episode will catch somebody who needs to see this episode and it will make a difference for them. Yeah. And we'll have another convert. And that's what that's what the show is always about and should always be about. You know, and, and anybody who loses sight of that and wants to keep it almost as a museum piece to, you know, nineteen seventy eight or whenever. Yeah. I think they're on a road to nowhere because that's not what it's about. The show is about change, it's about evolution. Hell, the central concept of this series yeah. is gonna be the doctor changing. Absolutely. That's what they should do. And I think, you know, I, I think that's why the show survives and it endures because it, it speaks to everybody who can watch it. Yeah. And when it stops doing that, when it stops speaking to, to those, you know, to the people who need it, then I think it'll, it'll die. Um, and again, a, a little, you know, a little homage that we're going to see in a minute. Um, my, um, I, I watched the destiny of the Daleks with my grandma and it's one memory I have with my grandma before she died. I was watching that with her and, uh, and we get the Mavellans in this. So a lovely little callback to the rich, you know, back history of Doctor Who. We get Tom Baker's sonic screwdriver here. Yeah, and it's it's, I think it's, it, it's great, isn't it? It feels like a, a wider reference as well. I think Matt Lucas getting Tom Baker's sonic screwdriver, which is best known for Little Britain, narrated by Tom Baker. Um, well, it's a deliberate thing, but it's uh, it, it feels like a nice nice reference. And the Mavellans here, not even named. So any anybody new watching, it's uh, it's a bunch of people. Uh, you know, who are victims of the Daleks, but for rewarding long-term viewers, like you say, it's that callback to Destiny of the Daleks and that particular era, and it's a nice, um, you know, um, nice kind of reminder of the wider Doctor Who universe. I always uh, think the best on. type of homages are not the homages that are plot critical, but they're just little throwaway things that reward, a, a, you know, yeah. an observant viewer. 
and I think that's when it that's when it works really nicely. I think, you know, you only have to look at the the years of the Star Trek franchise. It tied itself up in so many knots with its canon and what yeah. it could do and what it couldn't do. I only I watched the next generation. It became impossible to tell the story. Yeah. And I hated Doctor Who to go down that road. And I'm really, really glad that what we're seeing here is a very simple, very accessible story that gives little nods to the past, yeah. but isn't a slave to it. No, absolutely. It's uh, it's really nice. I never watched any Star Trek after the Next Generation, so uh, I. Uh, I this is a whole different discussion because I'll point yeah. you in the direction of Deep Space Nine, which is my favourite. But then you went to Voyager, then then you went to Enterprise, and it was imp- virtually impossible to tell a coherent story because there was so much underlying canon yeah. that they had to deal with. It became impossible to map out a, a sensible story. Um, I'm glad you know that the, this series of Doctor Who seems to be very, very much focused on this element. We've got the Master coming back, and that mm. always poses problems because you have to explain who the Master is and on the, who Missy is and how it fits in, and, yeah. you know, etc., etc. This is why I think they've done the, this episode is particularly swift in that respect because it uses the Daleks. It drops in the Daleks. Oh, yeah. by the way, this is the Doctor's oldest enemy. You don't ever need to have seen the Daleks before. Yeah. They put it in; it, it's in there, and you know we know that they're a threat. End of story. We can move on. Yeah. Um, I mean, essentially, the last twenty minutes or so have been a you know a bit of a bit of a chase, haven't they? Really, we've, we've had we've had the the, the the sentient water and Heather chasing yeah. the Doctor, chasing Bill, chasing Nardole in the TARDIS, and and, and we've had that. And now we're reaching that we're reaching the final crescendo. As it is. Yeah. Um, um, but it's it's all been it's all developed the character and the story of, uh, as they've gone along. It's been a it has, and I think that's one of the crucial. I think that's one of the real crucial things um, that we that we have here. Again, there isn't a massive menace. There isn't a massive threat here. No, but that doesn't seem to matter. It doesn't seem to be important here because what we've got is we've got a relationship that's built up. We've got a relationship that's ed- that's seemingly ended with Bill and Heather, and we've got a relationship between Bill and the Doctor that is developing. Yeah, and this is uh, I, I, what I haven't done yet is go back to watch that um, that scene, the longer scene of uh, of the Doctor and Bill with the Dalek, where he explains more of them. Presumably, yes, presumably, the sort of the mini episode, the mini sword. Yes, presumably it does slot in because it's the same set, the same costumes and everything. Presumably it would slot in as a missing scene if they did an extended version of it, uh, maybe on the DVD release. But I did mean to watch it again to uh, just to check if it if it does tie up or whether that is a a standalone thing that isn't isn't canon as such. And this and is... one, one of the things I'm really pleased about here is we get the Doctor as, you know, being proactive, actually pushing the story forward. Again, mm. sometimes there has been a feeling, certainly I've had the feeling, that the Doctor's been a bit of a passenger. He's been a bit of a sort of a hostage to events. Yeah. Whereas this, he's very, very clearly, he knows what's going on. He knows how it needs to be fixed. He's, you know, he's not using Bill. Bill is now inextricably linked with events, so it's not the Doctor weaponizing his companion. It's the fact that, you know, this is what's happened. These two have formed an attraction. That attraction has passed itself on to, you know, to the to the to the space oil, if I can call it that. Yeah. And it's now, you know, there's now a connection there between the two. 
And that that line, it, when they were on the alien planet just before, the space engine oil. Um, this is what. Well, it wasn't a controversy, but it was what the uh, the the sun or whoever it was tried to say was a controversy when um, Pearl Mackey was interviewed on. Was it the one, the one show? show and uh, they said, "What does the TARDIS run on?" And she said, "Oh, space engine oil," which is obviously a, you know, a jokey answer. Um, mm. And it's it's a line from this episode. It's it's Absolutely. something she's she's picked up from there. Um, and obviously, Doctor Who fans being Doctor Who fans said, "Oh, we," you know, it's. Um, but then there's there's so many different answers as well, isn't there? Um, yeah. It's rift energy. It's the eye of harmony. It's uh, you know, Archon energy. Zyton seven. Uh, so there isn't even any consensus. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but think, well, we don't really care. No, that's she's it. she's such a good companion. Yeah. She's such a good, she's such a good addition to the show. But even, even that the tweet... little shot there, was, wasn't it beautiful, the way that they showed the opportunities in her mind, the way that they showed the, the, the temptation in her mind? Absolutely. And you can, the doctor pulling her back. You can see why she would, would be tempted by that life. Yeah. yeah. And, and again, the doctor there asking, "Are you all right?" No reference mm-hmm. to cue cards. No reference to you know. That's just that's that's how the doctor would be. Yeah. And the, yeah, this is this is the the part that Nardo's going to play. Yes. Like this is, uh, I think, yeah, I think he's going to be great. I, I, I like Matt Lucas anyway. Um, I don't mind a bit of comic relief. Yeah. I don't mind a bit, you know, I think I think anything that takes itself too seriously is ripe for sort of pastiche. And I think Matt Lucas in there is going to nicely prick the pomposity. He's going to nicely sort of provide a little bit of interest. We know that he's got, uh, or what, did, what did Stephen Moffat say? He's got a shady past. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how it is. Again, I wonder. If, I wonder if we're, we're getting little breadcrumbs here. The doctors just said there, "Oh, it was a student being sick. It registered as a biological attack." And my mind's thinking, "Well, is it? Or is it? Is, the, is yeah. are we going to see that later? <laughs> is that going to be one of those things that we get referred back to?" Moffat does um, great, great things. Like I, I love when he he puts a little line in which you think he's nothing, yeah, um, like Hansel and Gretel, the little breadcrumbs yeah. that are leading us to the answer. In in Asylum um, of the Daleks, when. The line when um, when Clara says about making the souffles and he goes, well, where do you get the eggs? You think it's just a throwaway line, um, but it's crucial at the end. You say, I think Next time he says I, it, it has so much weight because it's the line that makes her realise that none of it has been real. It's, it's yeah. You said it, you said it before. The, we're, we're watching somebody's favourite episode here. Yeah. We're watching, we're watching somebody's favourite episode. And I think... Actually, I was I was just about to say, well, I think this has been the best opening episode since. And then you mentioned Asylum and the Daleks, and I'm like, oh, well, I enjoyed that. And then deep breath, well, I enjoyed that. You know, um, the season six stuff, the Impossible Astronaut, daily, I enjoyed that a lot. Yeah. The eleventh hour, I thought that was fabulous. Yeah. So, the eleventh so hour really got strong, a pretty good track record opening. Yeah. But I wasn't mad keen last year. Uh, the the, the Magician's Apprentice, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, whatever it's called. Yeah, I love that one as well. Keen on that. I watched it again recently and uh, and enjoyed it even more the second time. Uh, it, it, I think the whole of season nine is is crying out for me to rewatch it. Actually, I think I, I think it needs a proper rewatch. Yeah. Uh, because I think this is I think that what we're going to find with Capaldi's Doctor is it is going to benefit from that from that distance. Yeah. Um, and this is a lovely scene again. I think this is a, a really nice sort of scene. Um, I would have liked to have seen the Doctor actually not go there and, you know, maybe maybe sort of faint and go, go and say, oh, 
I was going to, you know, I'm, oh, you've got something in your eye or you've got something in your hair. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Maybe just a little faint and, and, and not look as if he was going to go through with it. But then we had the Clara call back, didn't we? We had that little Clara theme. It's Yeah, it's a nice, again, for new viewers, It you would just think that um, Bill had made an impassioned plea and it had won him over. For the longer term viewers, the Clara theme is a little hint that, in fact, it's um, he's had his memory wiped. I now can't remember Clara. It's, it's it's really deftly done. I think really really nice. And I think um, the thing that I the thing that I, I like here is she comes down and she's about to meet the doctor again. I genuinely think there's some ambiguity here. Is how long time has passed for the doctor? Yeah, you know how long has time he, he he's waiting there? Has he? You know, use the TARDIS to come straight down, or have we? Has he had twenty-five years of adventure? Yeah. And then he realizes he misses Bill, and he realizes he wants to talk to her. It's nice. It's yeah. nice that they can do that. There's uh, obviously for a big finish. You know, particularly the, the fifty years that he's been lecturing at this university. They they can set Absolutely. stories there. The books can set stories there. Um, even uh, in in Rose, when um, when he, he offers a the uh, he offers to to take her with him. And then he takes off and then he reappears and says, oh, did I mention it's a time machine as well? Um, there's a story that's set in that, that he has an adventure uh, and realizes he wants a companion. And it's Charlie Charlie Higson. Wrote, yeah. I think it was one of those 50th anniversary ones, wasn't it? So you can, you can fit things in anywhere, yeah. And so here we go with the next week trailer. Um I always, I'm always slightly ambiguous about these because I, I, you know, part of me says, "Do I need to see this?" But another part of me thinks, "Well, why not?" You know, it's 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 a bit of fun. Yeah. But here we go with the coming soon. This is the treats we've got ahead of us. This looks epic, um, absolutely. Epic. And, and I think yeah. it's going to be great. Again, they're not shying away from the regeneration. They're not shying away from the Mondasian Cybermen. No. But, but this we'll... last little, this last bit of the of the of the trailer. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Why didn't the BBC keep it quiet? Yeah. Can you imagine the reaction we'd have had watching that for the first time? Absolutely. Well, I think it was the the, the Sun or whoever again had, had leaked it, hadn't they? So they, uh, they, so they, they had, had to go with it. Get it's out in front shame. of it, yeah. Because that would have been a proper jaw-dropping, you know, coming soon bit. Absolutely. Um, uh, what just what a fantastic episode, eh? Absolutely terrific. Um, yeah, I, was, I just think the, the, the next time, looks like Nardole isn't on this trip. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's not there when they're sort of walking away from the TARDIS towards the the city, and uh, so I guess it's going to be more of a chance for Bill to have her first trip, well, second trip, I suppose, to an alien planet, but first kind of full adventure there, um, and presumably Nardole's guarding the vault. Yes. Uh, in the meantime, written uh, by Frank Cottrell Boyce, the next one I think is it. It is, yeah. His his second one after um, the. Forest of the Night, yeah. Forest of the Night one, yeah. So be very interesting to see how that goes. Be very interesting to see how he develops as a you know as a Doctor Who writer. And I think this whole series is going to be such an interesting one because it has that compact feel to it. Now we know it's Capaldi's last. We've, we're into a one. We're into a one series Doctor, and we've got a companion who I think is an absolute diamond. Yeah. I think Pearl Mackey looks the part. She's got she's got enough talent to you know easily pay the bills here. We're gonna what we're gonna see. We're gonna be in for a treat if it's done properly. If the breadcrumbs lead to something, if we get you know proper stories, we're we're in for an absolute treat. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and hints that the, the regeneration isn't going to be straightforward, that there's going to be some interesting shenanigans there as well. So it'd be going to well, be good to see what Again, develops. I've got some sort of theories on, on that as well. We know that they, we know that Stephen Moffat likes a mayfly doctor. You know, we know that. Are we going to see? Is he going to try and experiment with that again? We know that he's he said that Chris Chibnall is going to write the first lines of his Doctor. Yeah, it's... we know that Chibnall's been up to his eyes with Broadchurch and everything. So there probably hasn't been too much progress on the casting of the Thirteenth Doctor, despite what various media outlets say. Yeah, particularly today, it really seems to have ramped up with the with the Chris Marshall talk, doesn't yeah. it? It's... Yeah, I, I wonder how much of a red herring that actually is. I wonder if somebody's just picked that name and gone with it or put two and two together. I mean, you know, it might be that he is the Doctor. Yeah. It might be that that, that that type of actor is the direction they're going to go in. Um, reminds me of the Rory Kinnear thing last time yeah. where they, they really ramped up the, uh, the, you know, the anticipation that it was him. I think the beginning of that was really odd, the, of the, um, the, the Chris Marshall story, because... It was announced that he was leaving Death in Paradise, but it was announced the week before the episode where he left. But that yes. had obviously been filmed several months before. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it was announced around the time that, that Peter Capaldi announced that he was leaving Doctor Who was a sheer, can only be a coincidence. Um, I wonder how Death in Paradise managed to keep the secrets and Doctor Who doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, in there terms isn't the amount of, me, of scrutiny, I think, is there? It's, uh, <laughs> sure. In terms of the new Doctor, when, the, when they come, um, frankly, I want somebody to surprise me. Yeah, I want absolutely. somebody. I want somebody. You know, like Matt Smith surprised me. Like Tom Baker surprised us. You know, I want somebody to come in, and I'm not. I don't care about the gender. I don't care about their ethnicity. I don't care about that. You know, I suppose the the the, the privileged position I sit in it means I don't have to care. But I don't. I really don't. What I want is I want a brilliant actor who is going to surprise me in the way that, for example, Matt Smith surprised me. I want I want somebody new. I want somebody different. I want a different feel to the show because that's what the Doctor does. That's what a new Doctor does. You know, you look at the comparison between Troughton and and Hartnell in Troughton's first episode, Power of the Daleks. That sort of almost set the template, didn't it, for how different a Doctor could be? Absolutely. But how equally as brilliant a new Doctor could be. Yeah. And we got it in Spearhead from Space. We got it in Robot. We got it in Castrovalva. You know, every time the Doctor's changed, he has been markedly different. Now, whatever that change is going to be, you know, I, I don't particularly care. I want a surprise. No, I completely agree. And I think getting somebody who's on the cusp, who's, who's kind of, you know, getting a, a name for themselves in acting circles like David Tennant, Matt Smith, and yeah. you've maybe seen in some smaller roles. Um, it, it, great to get somebody in, in that um, position. And it, I, was, I went to see, um, she was over in the Northeast, uh, Mark Gatiss in conversation, or an evening with Mark Gatiss, something like that, uh, yeah. a couple of years ago. And uh, when he was talking about it, he was saying, you, you get either somebody early on in their career who haven't got children who are in school somewhere else, yeah. you know, presumably London or somewhere, or you get somebody like Peter Capaldi, whose children are grown up, who yeah. is able to move to Cardiff and relocate their life there for a few years. Um, so it does, that kind of, in a way, limits the options. Yeah. I mean, I am, look, I am sad Capaldi's going, but what I will say is three years on that schedule, I, I, I think is enough for anybody. 
You know what I mean? I think it's a, it's a, it's from what I can gather, it's a fairly punishing, yeah. you know, seven eight months of, of of pretty relentless filming. And as the Doctor, you're there all the time. Yeah, you know, in the majority of scenes, and... in every episode. So I think it's not like it's not like any other role where you can trundle along a bit. You, you know, you're always there. You're always the centre of attention. And it's a role that, that makes you a bit of public property as well. Yeah. You know, people want selfies with you. People want autographs. They want to tell you. So I think, you know, yes, I'm sad. But three years feels about right to me. It felt about right with Matt Smith. It felt about right with Tennant. You yeah. know, I think I any longer and the starts, the, you know, the, the sort of the only sets in. Whereas, you know, it, it's the old showbiz adage, leave them wanting more. That's it, absolutely. I've, I've every one of them that's left. I've said, oh, I wish, I wish they'd done more. Um, but and I know that, that Capaldi's made similar sort of intimations that he's worried he couldn't bring his best work. Uh, you know, if if he continues to do it. But I would like to see a Doctor bridge uh, showrunners. I think that would be it. Would be very interesting to see that to see I, how I, different I, it is. I gotta say, I am not a particular fan of the showrunner model. I have to say, mm. I think I think it tends to breed insularity, and it tends to breed a very heavy, stylized sort of doctor that I'm I'm not particularly comfortable with. I mean, Doctor Who is a show that's that's booked the trend of pretty much everything, and has been a show that has thrived when run by committee. You know, if if the the, the DVDs of the uh, Doctor Who the beginning with the Daleks and the Edge of Destruction and Earthly Child. They've got something on the creation of Doctor Who, and it was it was a show that was born of committee. Um, you look at the best sort of eras, the, the, the eras that we regard as the gold standard. Well, personally, I do. You know, the Terence Dixon and Barry Letts and, and and Hinchcliffe and Holmes, and you know, these were these were eras where it was it was a combination of different personalities feeding in to make make this product. So, you know, we've had two almost you know supremos. We've had RTD. And then we've had we've had Stephen Moffat, both very different in their approaches, but actually both very singular in their approaches as well. You know a Russell T Davis episode, you know a Stephen Moffat episode, and I would what what I, I remember reading an interview with Chris Chibnall, who says that he's thinking about introducing um, a sort of the writers' room. Yeah, that is interesting. I'd very much like to see that happen because I think that would add a different spin on the show as well. It would, it would. Um, I think it would. Sort of even things out a bit, wouldn't it? It would be uh, kind of really quality-wise or style-wise. Absolutely, it would, and it would, it would take the pressure off Chris Chibnall, which because I, I, I imagine, you know, I think I don't know how Stephen Moffat's been the showrunner for so long. Yeah, you know, it, it it must take it out of you having to write all, being responsible for the season, having to write all those episodes, having to write the Christmas specials. Yeah, and then editing everybody else's as well, and 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 yeah, bringing it all in there. Um, and in in Moffatland, he's also had to do Sherlock as well. Yeah, that's it. So, you know, I think I think we're seeing a we're passing on the baton to Chris Chibnall, and he's a proper fan. Yeah. And he one thing about him we know we know he knows his way around a ratings winner because Broadchurch has absolutely swept the ball, hasn't it? It has. I haven't actually watched it, but I know it's something that everybody at work is raving about at the moment. He knows how to write something that people watch on TV. So yeah. I think we've got a very interesting um, we've got a very interesting new showrunner. I'm not sure that that his the episodes of Doctor Who that he's written are particularly representative of the Doctor Who that we're going to get. 
No, and, and Stephen Moffat has said that he, something along the lines of, you know, he doesn't think we've seen Chibnall's uh, kind of vision of Doctor Who because he'd been writing under the yeah. stewardship of, uh, of Russell T. Davis and Moffat. I um, think so. And yeah. So I think we're in for some very exciting times. We're going to have a new actor playing the Doctor. Um, I, I would like to see Pearl Mackey stay on, just on that one showing. I have yeah. to say, I've been really impressed, and I would like to, I hope she can stay on. I suspect that Chris Chibnall will want to come in and put his own mark on the show. Some may well find, and, and you know, a new Doctor may well need a new companion. You know, it's Pearl possible. was was chosen to work alongside Peter. It's it's whether so, they feel the need to, for, I suppose, some element of continuity, isn't it? Because that's, in the past, you've had companions carry over. Or well, quite cheerfully, yeah. I mean, got, in fact, you, it's been more the, more the rule rather than the exception. I think there's only Trout and Pertwee that we saw a complete clean slate. That's it. Um, and Every then, other classic Doctor has had the companions sort of jump over with them. That's it. And even Unit in the early Tom Baker ones is is a familiar, familiar element to carry over. Uh, you know, Absolutely. for the fans that ease the transition. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see which, which way he goes on that. Um, um, but I think you know, I think I think we've got we've got a great just for this season. I think we've got a great companion. We've got a doctor who is seemingly having a lot more fun with the role, a lot more comfortable with the role, a lot more. Uh, you know, maybe I'm imposing my my own sort of uh, what I think the doctor should be. But that certainly was a lot more relaxed doctor, a doctor that I enjoy watching. Um, and I think, so, you know, I think full steam ahead for, 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 for the next series. I think it's going to be great. Absolutely. It's it's like Christmas Eve, isn't it? It's, we've got the whole series stretching out ahead of us. Um, it's, it's, it's a nice feeling. It's a nice place to be. Fantastic. Uh, so you're going to join us later on in the series for another podcast? Yes, absolutely. Kindly Looking forward to, to doing the finale with you, I think. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so in the meantime, uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, um, follow on Twitter at trap one underscore, um, like us on Facebook, bookmark us Internet Explorer, um, on the, on the website and on the Facebook page, there is a link to SpeakPipe. So any comments or any, uh, kind of notes on any episode, you can leave a, uh, a voicemail on there, which we'll, we'll use in, in an episode in some way. Um, join me next week. My guest co-host will be Beth from the excellent Time Ladies blog. Uh, and in the meantime, take care.